Hi, everyone. You're listening to Backstory. Let's hear it on WTBR-FM Pittsville with Roberta McCulloch-Dews of the mayor's office in the city of Pittsville. Thanks for tuning in. Today we have with us Rosa Tabango, a public health nurse for the city of Pittsville and an LPN. And we also will have with us Dasheen Moore, an entrepreneur who organized the Beat the Streets 5-on-5 basketball tournament this past summer. But for now, we're going to get started with Rosa. Rosa, welcome. Thank you, Robena. It's always a pleasure to be part of this. I am so (laughs) happy to see you because I feel like I've seen everyone on Zoom. (laughs) So we've been acquainted like for the past year through a box. Yes. 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 It's just uh, (laughs) like I think at this point we all feel like TV. Yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, Actors, actresses, because we've been on the screens. Yes. Yeah, we've had to, I think, adapt to a different communication style. We've had to pivot in so many ways. And I mean, I think that's a perfect segue, actually, for for the work that you're doing, because as one of the city's public health nurses, you've been very busy for a long while. And you've worked as a contact tracer. You've done so much to really help keep our, our city safe, our community safe. So I just want to thank you right now. And we're going to get into all of that. But first, I always like to set the stage a little bit and um, tell our listeners a little bit about our guests. So you are a native of Ecuador, but you lived in Pittsville for about 20 years now. I think 18 to be specific. So about 20 years. What was it about Pittsville that made you want to stay? Well, um, when I first came, I came to Miami and it was in June. The heat was horrible. Mm. I couldn't stand even that I came from a city that uh, it's not too hot, but it was warm enough. But Miami was the extreme. Okay. So I knew somebody over here, and I asked, how was it? And they said, come and try. But the first warning was winter. I'm not fan of the cold either. But um, what captured my, um, more than my attention, it was my, my heart, the beauty of the Berkshires. Um before I came here, I had a chance just to see on pictures all those scenes, like with the foliage, mm-hmm. with the snow. And when, for first time, I got the chance to see those scenes, I cried. Really? I cried. It was so beautiful. It was, it was true. It was natural. It was, it was just a, the mother nature with God's job there. It was like, oh, I think... Here it is. I'm not trying, or I'm gonna keep trying. And 18 years later, I'm still trying, and I'm happy here. When you arrived here 18 years ago, did you find it to be a welcoming community? Well, um, it was hard. It was hard because um, first, the language barrier. I came without English at all, so I felt kind of I had to segregate myself because the fear of like communication I couldn't um, back then it wasn't that much a, a Spanish community around here so people didn't know how to interact with mm-hmm. Spanish speaking or, or different cultures so I, I wouldn't say I wasn't I didn't feel unwelcome but I didn't feel that welcome too because mm-hmm. I can blame I can blame people right. for the, if they don't know how to have to interact what I gonna do how can I help right the communication barrier was there so but um, after all everything came together and I think it is wonderful community so it's it's always interesting hearing the stories of other immigrants because you know I understand the immigrant experience myself when my family came to this country from Jamaica um, in 1981 I was two so I grew up with dual identities. I see myself as Jamaican. I also see myself as American. You were an, already an adult when you came to the country. What were you? You mentioned the um, language barrier um, as um, as as something that was maybe um, a challenge at the time. How did you, for your day to day, did you find yourself um, a part of a community of maybe one or two individuals who said, hey, we're immigrants as well, let's get together? How did you find yourself in a space where you're able to feel empowered and feel like, all right, 
the the overall community might not necessarily um, have be familiar with me, but I'm going to find this one or two individuals who can help me, um, you know, transition to this to the Berkshires. Well, like I said, going back to the barrier being the language, mm-hmm. so I had to look around and see who can understand, who I can get help with, and there's always people who's been here longer than me. So um, I found uh, people from the same uh, culture. So to guide me a little bit, what can I do? Uh, where should I go? And then uh, at the same time, I was like losing independency. It's it's kind of big thing. Like uh, I need somebody to help me with this. I need somebody to help me with that because my communication, I have no communication. Mm-hmm. So um, yes, I, I found uh, people from same culture to guide me and see where can I go mm-hmm. and then really really pushing myself to I need to do better I need to learn this I need to get through this because otherwise I'm not going to do anything here right so um that's the way I I push myself and and learning the language it was a huge change and and then I went through um Whatever I could help with, I, I've been always open to help others because I understood the way that we feel when we, we're not able to right. do it. Right. So uh, every time I had a chance, hey, if you need help, let me know. I can help with this or go this. But let me know. I can get you this because I went through that. All right. Well, then how did you from from that early start, when did you decide that you wanted to be an LPN? It was a little bit, I felt the vocation long ago at very early age, uh, back in my country. Uh, I lived with nuns and they ran a kind of um, nursing home set up a facility. And the nun it was my godmother. So she brought me there to volunteer mm-hmm. with the elderly people. So. She always told me that um, you have vocation to do this. You, I can, I can see you like to help people and everything. So um, to me, it wasn't a set goal because I said I don't think I can deal with this. It's I, I, I'm not good with blood. I'm not good with with pain. I'm. Not, I don't think that's for me. So back in my country, I did different career. I came here and as soon as I could, when my language allowed me. So I took the class for um, CNA, nurse and assistant. So, and as I work um, like that, uh, being an assistant, so I said, oh, you know what? I think I can do this mm-hmm. and I can do better. Mm-hmm. And I'll be more like in close contact with my patients mm-hmm. and, and try to help them in a different way. So it wasn't that easy. Right, but it seems like it was maybe a calling I mean, I think yes. from your time with your godmother and the nuns um, and, and seeing this helpful environment, because you're right, I mean, blood and all of that. I mean, to be a nurse, you have to deal with all of that. But if you have something within you that says, "I this is why I want to do it, it makes you stay the course. Yes. Okay. Yes. With the time, it came like, that is my goal. Mm-hmm. It took me time to get there because the language. Yeah. But... I made it. But I think there is something to be said there, Rosa, because, you know, for many of us, our paths are not straight. It takes sometimes we have twists and turns. There's hills, there's valleys. And sometimes it takes a long time to get to the place where we want to be. But once we get there, the journey is made that much more sweeter, right? Because we have all of that. And think about just how you can now, you see other folks who are maybe immigrants or maybe people transitioning into the community. And you look at them, you say, "Mm, I remember, I was just like you. And so it's you, you're, you're able to help them from a place of not just textbook experience, but personal experience. And you can't buy that. Yes, you can't buy that, yeah. and you can't duplicate it. It's mm-hmm. it's authentic, and people they catch up on that. Um, that's a powerful start, and knowing that you have this background, knowing that you have this journey, I'm getting the sense of resilience. And the reason why I want to like let's, let's focus on resilience right now is because COVID nineteen. Yeah, it's it's what we're all in right now, and we'll probably be in it for some time. And you know, you as a healthcare worker. 
many of the healthcare workers, we know you're right in the middle of everything happening. And when it comes to the risk, the risk is high. And I say all that to say because you, as a healthcare worker, you were personally impacted by COVID-19. Can you tell me a little bit about that experience and what it was like for you? Uh, definitely wasn't a good experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, at the end of all, I was very thankful that I got the chance to experience that because it helped me to understand better my patients at the time. So uh, I I don't think anybody likes to be sick. Mm-hmm. Right. It no. makes you miserable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you didn't you you don't know how or how hard it's gonna affect you, hit you or what it's gonna do to you. Mm-hmm. So uh I was I, I I wasn't afraid to get sick and I thought I couldn't because I was taking all my precautions as a healthcare worker, being a front line, we had all the full PPE, um full precautions and I was a, a um, PPE coach like teaching everybody how to do and everything and and still happened to me so I was like when okay. it happened were you did you think that it was it or did you think oh I just maybe have like a cold or something no uh, when it happened at I woke up in the morning and my whole body felt like a truck run me over and I was oh my god this is this is bad but I blame it to the every single day working 16, 18, 20 hours. That is the way we were working. So I said, my body probably tired. And yeah, it, it's got to be that. I took some painkillers and I went to work. So I made it through the day. But at nighttime, the pain was even worse. And then I started running fever. I said, oh. This is not mm-hmm. just work tiredness. Right, right. It's something else. So, and um, yeah, it was the COVID. And then I said, oops, now what? Right. My first thing was my daughter. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she always had the fear for this, but she, at the same time, she felt safe because, oh, my mom knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And then here we are. Your mom is sick. You 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 were featured in the Berkshire Eagle. Um, I think this past spring about your 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 experience, and you talked about your daughter Raina as she was your nurse. Yeah, she was your champion. You guys would talk behind the door and <laughs> say, "I love you" and "I miss you" to each other. I I can only. I can't even imagine how that was like because she had to take on the job of someone far beyond the age of 11. Yes. Mm. Yes. Um, thankfully, she's a very mature girl. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> her first question when I told her I was sick and she was, are you going to die? I was like, um, in my head, I was like, I don't know. I don't know how it's that. But of course, with the hope in my heart, I answered right away. No, I'm not dying. Mm-hmm. So, and she was like, what are we going to do? I say, okay, I know what we're going to do. You know, showing her how to be strong. And we were talking from the distance. I was in my room, and she was on her room. We have a hallway that it's... So I said, you have the house for yourself. Thankfully, our house is set up. Like, I have my private bathroom in the room. Mm-hmm. So you, the house is all to yourself, and I'll be in my room. My thanks. Um, okay, um, I don't know how to cook. Whether that, don't worry. Um, I'll take care of that. You can't cook. No, we're we're good. <laughs> I will call somebody right. to deliver food, right. or or I'll take care of that. Okay, mommy, don't worry. I'll take care of you, mommy. And then, mm. uh, every time she was like I said, she was, mommy, are you drinking? Mommy, how you doing? Mommy, are you eating? <laughs> she will throw me from the door, mm-hmm. roll the bottle of water. <laughs> my room. There it is. Have some water or some fruit on the plate and mm-hmm. just slide it through right. my door. And like, okay, you need to eat. You need to eat. You need to get strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
she will yell from her room and say, Mommy, I miss you. Mm-hmm. I'm right here. But I miss you, Mommy. I can hug you, Mommy. So it was, that was my, like, my everyday... Um, was it like inspiration, mo- inspiration to get... Inspiration, motor right. to keep going because... It was like, what's gonna happen? Right. I didn't feel good at all. I I tried to show her, yes, I'm doing fine. I'm I'm okay. I'll be okay. I'll be okay. You don't have to worry. I'll be okay. But it was hiding, and it was the the discomfort, the pain. It was horrible. Mm. You can't even explain that. Mm. You have to leave it to understand. Well, uh, hmm. wow, wow. I, I think that. One, you guys went through an experience that you'll never forget. You'll you'll never forget. I mean, I think that there are so many experiences that we have that are transformational and pivotal. And I think that um, you won't forget it. Raina won't forget it. But when you think about how you went through it, how you overcame, and then now here you are, a healthy healthcare professional, how has it changed or impacted your mindset in any way I mean it can go either way it could you know I and I don't want to you know describe it for you but how have you been changed by this experience as a healthcare professional it did every single day I learned something during my isolation and even after because I could identify myself with my patient and saying that is why this patient was acting like that that is why this patient wasn't doing this. That is why they complain about this. They couldn't even say what happened because you can't even explain what it is. So definitely, my compassion, I always been or try my best to be compassionate and understand, but that definitely increased on me, the understanding, the compassion, how the patients are feeling, how is to be that sick, and what can I try to do to help them better? Definitely, I went back to work, and I changed my mindset, and I was a leader there, so I, all my coworkers, we need to do this for them because they're not feeling this. They're feeling like that, so we need to change this situation for them in order to help them. Right. So um, it definitely changed your life when you experience something that mm-hmm. you don't know. Like I said um, before, you don't know how it's going to affect you. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did have the hope. Hopefully, the doesn't kill me. <laughs> I don't know. Right. I've been overall healthy, but you never know how this is going to affect your body. Um, and there was a chance. I say, I'm so thankful that I got to leave that because I know what they're going through. Mm-hmm. I, I experienced that and I know what they're going through. I can help them more. And, and here I am after all. Well, we're glad so. you're here. We are <laughs> so you. glad you're here. We're Thank so glad you. to see your smiling face that you are healthy. Um, because we know that it was a challenging and heartbreaking time for so many people. And so to see you on this side is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Tell me, Rosa, now, with, with all of that going on, you, you've experienced it for yourself. You've experienced COVID. So you're also a contact tracer. Yes. Tell, for those who may not know what a contact tracer is, I would hope that the term is familiar to most people now where, you know, where it's 2021 and, um, you know, we've been going through this pandemic for a while now. But how would you describe your work? Well, um, first of all, I would like to put it out there, like look at us as a your guide, your help. We are now trying to annoy people. We are trying to help so we hopefully can stop this at some point that we don't see when. But um, what we do is people who um, tested positive, we call them. We try to gather as much information we can uh, with contacts that are at risk um, to be infected and give guidance for quarantine and isolation. There, are th- Those are two terms that are are very easily confused Mm -hmm. but um that is why we are calling to help and explain what is that about Mm -hmm. and to answer maybe uh, no maybe people have so many questions about this we are not like experts on Mm -hmm. it but we do have a good education on the situation so we can answer some questions if the questions go in a higher level Mm -hmm. so we direct them to to the person who can help with those answers 
What's the difference between quarantine <clears throat> and isolation? Well, quarantine is the person who is uh, who was at risk. It has to be quarantined until it's proved positive or negative. Isolation is for the people who's already positive, so they have to be separate totally from the other ones mm-hmm. um, because they're um, in the infection infectious um, hmm. time. I think you would remember, and I think you know we we you know being a part of the city and and just our the COVID nineteen task force, we've seen how the response at the height of the pandemic. There was a lot of fear and uncertainty. People wanted as much information as possible, and so back then, when they got a call from a contact tracer, there was maybe more. Um, they were more receptive off the call. And that has changed. The response, we, we're hearing that the response has changed, that it's no longer this maybe this welcoming, you know, um, attitude, but more of I don't want to hear it, you know, or maybe not even engaging at all. Why do you think that this is the case? Well, I think the fear is gone. People is not afraid of this situation anymore. Uh, but the uncertainty is still there because the breakthroughs that we have, people who's been vaccinated still getting sick, but they don't see it like the severity of the illness. So yes, they did get sick after the vaccine, but they're not as sick as they could be mm-hmm. or they were because some people, they had already COVID. So and after that, they decide to get the vaccine. So it's a little bit of careless. They don't care anymore. Ah, let's see. This is it's continuing this. So we are tired of mm. this and and just careless. So it's like fatigue. People yeah. are just tired. Yeah, and they're they're feeling like they're willing to take the risk. And in some ways, for you know, if they see the vaccine, the vaccine is doing its job. Mm-hmm. It's actually helping mm-hmm. COVID not to have that um, that depth of an impact, right? But it's still it's it's not it's not 100% right yeah. the idea of the vaccine is to help yeah. mitigate the impact and so that people aren't you know um you know affected in the worst way possible so we really need to keep our guard up still yes we really yes. can't yeah and and i think that's a message that needs to be re- repeated over and over like you know people are still dying people are still in hospitals and yeah. we're seeing in parts of the country too hospitals are overflowing Thankfully, that's not our experience here. But, you know, I think we we need to still, you know, be vigilant. What if you could give um, any advice or any guidance to folks who might get a call from a contact tracer? What would you say to them? Once again, uh, don't feel like uh, we're trying to annoy or because we are so busy. Maybe sometimes uh, we place a call later in the afternoon um, we do as much as we can mm-hmm. so to avoid the the annoyment or or, or the disturb people's peace of mind or life right which it's no much out there you're there to help <laughs> <laughs> but um, I will say like we still have to take this serious as serious as it was at the beginning right because we are now going to a good path. So we're still in the bad situation that, like you just said it, we still have people dying for COVID. Uh, hospitals are getting full again. Um, restrictions, like it is, it's, it's been left up to us if you wanna do it or not. But we got to the point where like, you don't wanna do the right thing, we're gonna push you to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. So, and being forced to do something like that, it doesn't feel that right. Okay, maybe you feel like your rights are being violated, Mm -hmm. but like you don't wanna do the right thing just because you have to. Mm -hmm. You wanna be pushed to do it. So, why just don't stop and think a little bit and say, that's the only way we can help to stop this pandemic. We're almost two years of it. It is tiring. Yeah. If, community people there it's tired can you imagine how healthcare workers are right and i think we always have to think about you know healthcare workers and you know while we get to go home you know you guys are continue to be on the front line so i hope that that message resonates with some folks um 
let's talk about vaccinations right now because that's a key piece of all of this. And you were part of this wonderful panel with former Governor Deval Patrick. And um, specifically for that panel, it was encouraging um, people of color to get vaccinated because at the time there was a lot of um, hesitancy. Why was it important for you to participate in that conversation? Well, back then, like I said, I was a leader and um, I worked with a good amount of um, people of color with me. And I always tried to set good influence on them. Uh, I was grateful of how much they trusted me, how much they liked me as a coworker, as a leader, that they, they will listen to me. Mm-hmm. It took a little bit. So they saw what I went through. I told them what I went through. Uh, I told them I I also have a people of a color background in my in my on me. Mm-hmm. So it's like, but I'm saying like, what is what is good for us? We were begging for a solution. Okay, we were when this is gonna stop. We need something to stop it. We need a solution. Here it is the solution. Mm-hmm. So let's take it. Right. Let's take it. Why do you think it's gonna, the solution is going to be just to do good for ones and, and bad for others? So that wouldn't be a solution. That would be an, another problem. Right. If they're targeting certain community, right. like, to kill you. Mm-hmm. Were those some well, of the things that you were hearing? COVID, yes. Okay. COVID can kill you. And COVID is not seeing cultures, backgrounds, or colors, or nothing. Mm-hmm. COVID, COVID doesn't discriminate. <laughs> COVID is out there for everybody. That's right. But why? what makes you think that the vaccine is being just for certain mm-hmm. uh, community or, or, or uh, color, religion? Nothing. It's the solution has been there for everybody. Well, and I think, you know, you, good points, because I think there, at least from, you know, that panel, I listened in on that discussion, and I remember there was a historical context, right, of why people felt um, so reluctant to take it because there were situations that happened in history where there were certain occurrences that um, had targeted um, different groups of people. But I think that having panelists, panelists of color to say healthcare professionals who are in the work saying, listen, this is these are the facts, and while we acknowledge the history, let me tell you about what's happening right now. I think that was very important. Do you think that those conversations at that time has helped to um, to reduce the, the vaccine hesitancy among certain groups? It definitely did. Okay. Yes, it did. Okay. Well, I know the work continues. Um, I know when you leave here, you're going to probably have more work to do, especially around um, all of this. So I I just want to just thank you for that work specifically, because we know it's um, it is it's tiring and it's Mm -hmm. exhausting. But we are so grateful for you, Rose, and so many others who are on the front line. I want to just ask you a little bit about who or what inspires you as you're going through all of this right what is your inspiration who is your inspiration well i think the magnificent of god's love um he can prove us every day that how much he loves us no matter what uh how many chances he can give us in life to do things the better way um the kindness like you you can you can do it for yourself and you can do it for others. So no matter how many times you you fall, you get up and get going. He will hold your hand and keep you going and get you through anything. So if we all look ourselves on the mirror and say, "Well, this is God allowing us to be here one more day and keep going with everything we do." And as you keep going. Each day, what brings you joy? Oh, you know, <laughs> you know. By now, my my loving daughter. So dancing is our escape into everything. We dance a lot together, and and while we dance, we laugh a lot. So that is the most beautiful thing we do. I love it. And lastly, if you had one word to describe yourself, what would that word be? Oh, what can I say? One word. Just one. <laughs> Maybe driven. Okay. I would 
I see driven. I see driven all over you. You're here. So your your story speaks to driven. Rosa, it has been an absolute pleasure. I your story is fascinating and I just want to thank you so much for joining us today. Um there's so much more that we can say, but I hope to have you on again at some point so we can learn more about you. Everyone, we're going to take a short break right now and we'll be right back with our next guest. But for now, thank you Rosa and um we'll be back everyone. Thank you Rosa. Hello, this is Congressman Richard E. Neal, and you're listening to 89.7 WTBR-FM, Pittsfield Community Radio. Hey, this is Chief Wynn with the Pittsfield Police Department and Lieutenant Gary Traversa. Hey, Gary. Hey, Chief. We just want to remind all of our listeners and viewers to tune in every Friday for On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, and also on Pittsfield Community Television. Right, Gary? Don't miss Friday mornings, 9 a.m. on WTBR FM, all the happenings at the Pittsfield Police Department. On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM. Bring us with you wherever you go. WTBRFM.com Berkshire streets are for all. People who ride bikes should be visible and predictable. Riding with the traffic, obeying the rules of the road, and using caution at intersections. People who are driving should be alert to the presence of cyclists, giving them room when they pass them, and knowing there are times they may be riding in the flow of the traffic. Berkshire streets are for all. Brought to you by the Berkshire Bike Path Council, Mass Bikes, the City of Pittsfield, and Berkshire Regional Planning Commission. Underwriters are so important for keeping this station alive. Hi, this is Sean Sayre, Executive Director of PCTV. I'd like to thank our local businesses for supporting Pittsfield Community Radio and for believing in the mission of the station. When you hear underwriting messages on the air, you know those companies support WTBR-FM. If you're listening now and your business would like to join in and support us, call me today at 445-4234 and get involved or visit us at WTBRFM.com. It will make all the difference. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Backstory. Let's hear it on 89.7 WTBRFM with Roberta McCulloch, dues of the mayor's office in Pittsville. Thanks for tuning in. So another round of thanks to Rosa Tabango for starting off our conversation. It was a good one, so I hope you caught it. Now I'd like to welcome Dasheen Moore. Dasheen, thank you for being here today. You're welcome. Good morning. Good morning to you. So, Dasheen, you are um, known by Mr. Feats, right? Yes. And it's yes. a reference to your clothing and sneaker store? Yes. On North Street. And this past summer, you organized the Beat the Streets 5-on-5 in the Heat basketball tournament at Dorothy Amos Park. I did. You did. All right. And it was well attended and very popular. But first, we're going to get into some background about you. So you were three when you moved to Pittsfield, right? I was. All right. And you moved here with your grandparents, right? Yes. And hometown is Trenton, New Jersey. Yes. Ah, do you still have family in Trenton? Absolutely. You do? Do you go back? All the time. So do you consider yourself um, someone from Jersey or a Pittsfielder? I consider me being from Jersey, but raised in Pittsville. But raised in Pittsville. So your 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 ties are to Pittsville. Yes. When you go back to Jersey, do they see you as one of them? Or Absolutely. They- I have brothers, sisters, cousins. I okay. have a big family there. Big family. Okay. All right. What schools did you attend here? I went to uh, I went to Conti. Mm-hmm. I went to Highland, mm-hmm. and I went to PHS. All right. All right. So we've established your Pittsville pedigree, so that is good. Um, (laughs) You've publicly noted um, that when you were growing up, sports has played a big role in in just helping young people stay out of trouble. So could you tell me a little bit about the activities that you were involved in as a kid, both in and out of school? Coming up in the Berkshires, we always played basketball or most of our sports at the boys club. Mm Mm-hmm. If we weren't at the boys' club, then we had the West Side tournaments that were put on by uh, Miss Valerie Hamilton. Um, the reason why I started to beat the streets uh, tournament is due to 
the violence going on here. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was growing up here, there was violence here, but we had programs. You know, a lot of us wasn't in the streets at 16, 15. Mm-hmm. So I just thought about inventing that after the people that did it first. Also, Mr. Rant, I'm sorry. Okay. Mr. Rant also. Of co- you know, I had the pleasure. We've, we've been here about 11 years, and I had the pleasure of knowing Reverend Durant just at the tail end. Um, quiet, powerful man. He, he never raised his voice, no. but he had a quiet power about him. And so well-respected, well-respected among the the entire city. Mm -hmm. Everyone knew the name. And I think, you know, his legacy lives on in the people he touched, right? The lives he touched. Absolutely. And so you now, you are a product of just having that impact, that inspiration um, and the tournament. And I want to get into that more because that's some good stuff. But I want to... I want to talk a little bit about when you were the things that you were seeing in Mm. Pittsfield as a youngster, because, you know, we're the exact same age. Mm -hmm. And when and and I was just telling the story to Rosa that when my family came to this country from Jamaica, we settled in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. And I have very fond memories of my neighborhood. But I also was aware to some extent about the challenges affecting our nation at the Mm -hmm. time. You know, Mm -hmm. it was there was a lot happening what was it like for you growing up in Pittsfield and were you aware of all of those influences? I mean, we saw it. There was like drugs, there was violence, there was a lot of that happening nationwide. What was it like in Pittsfield for you growing up? Well, I came up in Pittsfield in the Riverside era. Mm-hmm. So it was to the point to where my mom was saying, don't go to the West Side. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, there was, there, there was, there wasn't really many people that were too many years older than us that we could look up to. Okay. So we were looking up to kids. So I would say that the decision was tough. You had to you had to pick one side of the track. So we really didn't have mm-hmm. anybody to look up to other than people that were probably right. very older than us. But they weren't into the same thing we were into. Right. Right. And, and and I'm sure that they probably had an influence because when you see when you're a young person and you see an older person who might have a look or mm-hmm. things, it's natural to aspire to something that looks glamorous. You see that you want it because you say that person has it and they look put together and you may not even know the backstory, but you just see the, the product. You That's see the, the people that we were looking up to. Right. And a lot of us, just like myself, mm-hmm. there was a downfall from that. Mm-hmm. You know, but you have to be able to recover from it and learn from your mistakes. You know, I'm so glad you said that because oftentimes, and I was just telling Rosa too, I said, you know, our journeys aren't neatly packaged. No. No one just gets from point A to point B in a straight line. Maybe some people do, but most of us, there are twists, there are turns, dips ups, downs, and through it all, we're able to learn from it and then keep moving on our journey. Mm-hmm. So what about your personal journey um, would you like to share that you've gone through and that you that has inspired you to keep going? You know, um, I was an early dropout, mm-hmm. got in some trouble in the streets following the wrong guys, had to go to prison for a while. Mm-hmm. Got my GED, college prep. Came home. Got a sneaker store in the building that I was raised in. Okay. So I would have to say, if you have a dream, don't ever give up on mm-hmm. it. Just learn from your mistakes. Take it as a, you know, a push down on the ground, get some bruises. Right. Get back up and start over. What's the difference, would you say, between, because, like you said, the bruises that you've experienced, some people might say, I've just been through so much. I can't, I, I don't even, I don't want to even keep going. What was the underlying driving force that made you after each setback say, I'm going to keep going? Because at any time you could have stopped. You could have said, you know, this isn't for me. You know, maybe, you know, that life belongs to some people, but not for me. What was your personal drive uh, or driving factor, I should say, that kept you going and keeps pulling you back to to do the you know to just stay on your course. I would have to say probably um my mother. Okay. Because I seen my mother fail so many times growing up in life, but she never quit. 
and also I'm a Libra. So you have to <laughs> you have to balance these things. You know, I believe mm-hmm. with no balance in life, you you cannot get it right. It right. just it's just not going to work out for you. So if you can balance it a little bit in some type of way. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, I think that that's one. That's a great outlook because you know, one there has to be. We all have to have that that thing that that, that fire, keeps us right? going. That fire and. You know, I'm struck by when you mentioned, like, when you were growing up and there was just, you know, you saw those, you know, those older guys and Mm -hmm. they they created whatever, a look or whatever, and it drew you in. Now, here you are, older, you now represent that demographic to the young ones growing up with the tournament. Mm hmm. I have to tell you, there was it received rave reviews. It was successful. It was fan like I mean, you got great media coverage from it. I did. Um, and I know that I heard anecdotally that when people would drive by, the lights were on. Yeah. the 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 park was packed. Um, I know, and and there were COVID protocols in place. It was it was safe for people who are wondering, you know, packed. But yes, it it was safe. Yeah. Um, but people had a good time. Young people were doing something that was fun and they didn't have to um to worry about anything else i knew you wanted to get involved with kids but how did you decide on this tournament like how tell me a little bit about the process how did it come together so one day i was sitting around and you know they was talking about i was reading the paper they're talking about the shoe-ins and everything's going on so i'm just like hmm, maybe i can go out down here and start a tournament because mm-hmm. most of the young kids mm-hmm. play sports right they're 15 younger so i'm like Okay, so I went down to City Hall, got the paperwork for it. I had to get it signed by um, the fire department. Oh, you got a special permit? Yes, you have a special permit for that because I had live music and everything like that. I had a couple local artists from around the town. Okay. uh, Other radio stations, um, you know, put it on their program, running it for me and everything. So I I had a lot of help from everybody. Good. A lot of people donated. Timothy Welsh, Andy St. John. So let's back up a little bit. What was your process like? All right, so you have the idea. And the reason why mm-hmm. I'm trying to peel back the yep. onion is because someone could be listening and there could be another young person saying, okay, he did it, so how did he do it? So you have this great idea. Okay. You're reading the paper. You're like, mm-hmm. we should do this. You, How did you get everyone on board? Did you start? Did you get on your phone? Did you start DMing people? <laughs> like, what did you do? So I created flyers. Mm-hmm. I posted them up at, like, every major park in the city. Mm-hmm. I put it on Facebook, I put it on Instagram, I put it on Snapchat. I also had it at all the schools. Okay. But what you have to do with that is you have to sit in, sit down in front of the city and give them your proposal. Okay. And they vote on it. Okay. And you did? And I did. All right. I'm so glad to hear that. That's that's awesome. <laughs> it was tough, though, putting it together. I have to say, I thank everybody for coming out and everybody that helped me, because without them, I couldn't have did it alone. Well, you can give a shout-out right now to some folks who, if you just want to name some folks or just groups that are um, I want to thank Timothy Welsh. I want to thank Rick Lawler. I want to thank Andy St. John and all of the ladies that came out with their kids throughout the summer, Christy Conyers, for bringing the kids out. Orrin Powell, I'd like to thank all of you. Nice, nice. The reason why it's so important to give acknowledgement where acknowledgement is due is because I think, well, we know that no one is an island and it takes a village. And for you to put on a tournament of this size, there are many helping hands that came Mm -hmm. together to push you along and to keep it going. What were some highlights or takeaways from the tournament when it was all said and done, when the lights went off, when the kids went home? And you're like, all right, we did this. What did? What were some highlights for you and some things that you still think about right now? Well, it was just like how everybody came from different parts of the town to come to the park to see what was going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just, I was just overjoyed by it. Mm-hmm. You know, I had um, the coach from Takana came out. You know, he helped me with some things. Um, but the thing that I was sad about is that when it started, mm-hmm. it was late. Okay. And when it finished, it was late. So the last day of the tournament, Mm -hmm. a lot of the kids were at college or they were already started school. So what I'm going to do is next year, Uh the first game of next year, we're going to have the tournament for last year. Mm -hmm. For this year, I should say. Uh So next year, the beginning of summer, we'll play last year's tournament. We'll get the champions then. So I think what we're hearing right now is a preview that there's more to come. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so you knew pretty much right away that you were going to continue this. Absolutely. Okay. Are you going to do something for the winter? 
What I'm doing for the winter is a paintball league. What? What? Winter paintball. Okay, can you give us a preview right now? Okay, so what it's going to be is going to be teams of seven on seven. Mm-hmm. We're going to probably be on a, um, either in my backyard, open space, a mm-hmm. couple acres, or we're going to be out on farmland in Richmond. Mm-hmm. We're going to have everything set up, bunkers and everything, seven on seven tournament, paintball in the snow. Paintball in the snow. All right. So, <laughs> if people want to um, to receive updates, how can they stay connected to all of this? Well, next week I'll be putting out the flyers, and I'll have it running on every platform you could think of. So, where should they follow? Like, who, um, in terms of following you on Instagram, Snapchat, give your handles right now. Um, Facebook is Dashi Moore, D A S H I N E M O O R E, and on IG it is. Sorry. <laughs> I think it's the same thing, Dasheen Moore, and on Snapchat, Dasheen Moore. Nice. Okay, good. Um, all right. So you are you're the organizer, the coordinator, the promoter. You're everything. Yeah, I'm trying to be a mentor to some kids, too. I mean, I did that a couple times mm-hmm. with Sharon, mm-hmm. Sharon Jackson. Mm-hmm. Me and her did that a few times. I'm trying to get back into that. So you were a mentor before. I was. All right. Um, mentoring is a big deal. I'm a mentor, too. That's why I... You think so? I think so. You know why? It's it's a huge deal because um, some young people may or may not have examples at home. And even if they do, sometimes they're not going to listen to their parents. I see that going they, on they wanna, they'll, they'll listen to sometimes outside individuals. I mean, I have my oldest is in college now. Mm-hmm. The middle. Yes, you know, you know him. That's right. Good um, kids. And my uh, middle is a freshman in high school and the youngest is in junior high school. And sometimes you can talk to your kids, and they're like, mm-hmm, but have someone else talk to them. Right, and they'll listen. And, and so I think it's that village mindset, right, that mm-hmm. it's not just about necessarily the parents, but how people from the community can really just, you know, put that seed in to help elevate that's young true. people. So that's, that's why, you know, mentoring, I, I feel like it's such a powerful powerful job and it's a part of it is that consistency you know what i mean it's that consistency just showing up and being there so yeah i mean i think that you have a lot to to offer young people i I mean just i just be trying to give them some advice well yeah like look look at it let me tell you what i've been through Mm -hmm. you're not even halfway there yet but let me tell you what i've been through Mm -hmm. before you start right start tumbling this big snowball and you can't you can't get it any smaller after it gets huge but don't you know that's the most power like it, it it's not even you're not even saying well this is what could happen you're like this is this is what did happen yes. and and for some um for some young people it might they'll listen to that that they'll actually respect that more because you're not just talking about what you don't know right. you know and yes. so you're able to say listen i've gone through it Yes. You don't want to go down that path. No. So they there you actually have a tremendous power. That's a that's that's a huge power because you have the you have the power to influence minds. Right, I could give them a couple different outlooks on life, you know. It's that's huge. So I mean, you know, obviously we we see youth motivator. I'm going to add that to your title <laughs> so we have entrepreneur Thank youth you. motivator and you have more to come with your youth activities. I want to talk about your day job a little bit as an entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. So your clothing and sneaker store, Mr. Feats. Now, I love the name mm-hmm. and um what is it in reference to? Is it in, you you tell me what Mr. Feats is in reference well, to? Well, Mr. Feats is actually me. I have always been a sneaker connoisseur. Mm-hmm. Everybody around town or wherever I've been in life knows me as a sneaker guy. Mm-hmm. So one day I just came up with the name Mr. Feet. Okay. It's very different and unique. Mm-hmm. So when people go into your store, what can they expect to find? First, when you walk in there, you're going to see tons of art. Okay. Tons of art. Mm-hmm. You're going to see... Um, most of the people that I know from the town that have passed away mm-hmm. that was somebody, their names are in my store. Really? Yes. Okay. Um, when you come in there, it's going to be buy, sell, and trade mm-hmm. from art to clothing to sneakers. Okay. I'm going to be doing next month with Frank Buzzner mm-hmm. and I think Greylock. Mm-hmm. They will be doing a business management class free okay october 16th okay okay 
So you have a lot going on with this store. I do. And I also have American Bullies if anybody needs any beautiful pets. Oh, okay. And you're into and you're a dog lover too. I am. Oh, so all right, so you have your hand in a lot right now. I do. This but is, you have to stay busy. Well, yeah, you have to stay busy and um and again I think that um being able to have uh, multiple passions is a good thing. Yes. But also to be able to manifest those passions into a way that you're able to live, right? Because right. you want to live with joy. You don't want to have to say, oh, I got to go to work today. You want to be happy. You want to say, oh, I got, I'm going to work today. I, mean, I, I am I happy, we'll- <laughs> but sometimes it's like that. You know, well, dreadful, listen, I, but you I was going to say, for, if we're being real, I think we all have our days where we're like, yes, right. I'm going to work today. But I think uh, thinking about each day with an opportunity to, you know, leaving nothing on the table. Like, that's right. my mindset. Like, you know, every day is an opportunity to maximize. And I want to look back at the day and say, I've left nothing on the table. I've done it all. And and I feel good about what happened and bring the next day on. So that's kind of like my mindset. So goal setting every day. Goal setting mm-hmm. is a must. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the fact that, one, you have this business located, um, one, on North Street. So that's a great thing. And I'm going to actually go and just check it out because I did not know where you were located. But now I do. Um, So I'm definitely going to go check it out. Why was it important for you to have this business in Pittsfield? Well, the building itself, I lived in that building for 20 years. Mm. So mm-hmm. my store is under, God rest my grandmother's soul, my store is underneath my grandmother's apartment. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Where else would you open a store like that? So you 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 wanted to have that connection. That Not actually. The One day, me and Christopher Ben, Christopher Jermaine, excuse me, were looking for a sneaker store because he restored sneakers. Me and was talking. This happened to be the store. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh. I'm like, I was raised in this building for 20 years. I'm like, this just has to be destined for me. Mm-hmm. We went in there, and everything just started coming together. Nice. I love it. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of like fate. Fate. All right. All I used right. to get Barb. I used to get... <laughs> so, it's two stores. Yeah. Like, a lot of people from Pittsville don't notice. Mm-hmm. Or who's not from Pittsville. It's two stores, so they cut the wall down. One side used to be Johnson's Package Store. The other side used to be Uppercut's um, Benjamin Mungin's okay. shop. So... Mm. I have ties to both 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 owners, the Johnsons. Yeah. I used to go eat at their house. Okay. I see Ward walking all the time. Mm-hmm. That's my story. He's like, congratulations. I would have never thought you would have had that after I had the liquor store so long. I'm like, I guess it just was for me, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's how certain things are in life, too. Like, the, the path that we end up, like, sometimes we'll never even, like, even dream right. that we'll have the ending. But... I think that's just how life is. And again, it goes back to the twists and the turns and the it's ups and the downs. But it's it great. is a roller coaster. You have to, some people that haven't been through anything mm-hmm. at all, mm-hmm. when it comes to the time of them going through something, yes. they break down. Well, see, that's the thing. Adversity makes you strong. Absolutely. And sometimes, you know, um, you, people say, oh, I don't want to go through some things. But it's the very things that you go through that build your strength. It builds your character. Yes. It builds your fortitude. Yes. And it's not what we go through, but how we go through it and yes. how we come out of it. Right? right. Yes. So that's why I'm just like so glad you're here. Because, Thank, you. Thank you so much. <laughs> because I feel like you have a powerful story that she and you are an entrepreneur. And as we're thinking about young people in the community we want them one to go beyond right Right. what's just in front of them your dreams should be so big that they scare you right right? so it it is showing that yes you if you two want to organize a tournament you can do that and you have to help each other please everyone help each other but there you know what the the power of collaboration is so necessary because we don't it, it's not about what I'm doing this it's not about the I it's about the we you know yes. Eddie Taylor yes you know Eddie Taylor yes, he is my OG <laughs> I look up to Eddie definitely so Eddie Taylor would always say it's about the we not me that's right right that's and right. so that's Eddie's philosophy and so shout out to Eddie in North Carolina Eddie uh, <laughs> 
my boy. But, you know, it, it, he always focused on that. He always had that mentality about how can we all make a difference in the mm-hmm. community. And so I am so grateful that you are show, showing that to young people mm-hmm. because they need to see that. And they also need to see that your journey might have a few bumps and a few bruises. And needs to. Yes. Whatever they may be, it needs to. It needs to. You can't because a journey that is totally sanitized, at the end of it, you. what is your story right. to tell? What is your story? There has to be something that you grapple with, that you deal with a problem, a challenge. You can never talk about how you overcame it if you never had it in the That's first right. place. That's right. So you need to have it, but it's have the it. power isn't overcoming, right? Overcoming it. You just need to overcome that's, it that's and keep right. on moving. So I, I want to talk a little bit about beyond your role as an entrepreneur, beyond your role as um, a youth advocate and motivator. Um, you also have a role that is important to you, and that's dad. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your role as dad. Well, my role as dad is everything to me. You mm-hmm. know, um, my son's mother is not around. <clears throat> I was raised by my mother, mm-hmm. so it's just like I have to be a dad before anything. So nothing is more important to me than being a dad to my son. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm his backbone. He's mine. He's my best friend. Mm-hmm. I couldn't ask for anything better. You know. That is so awesome to hear that because um, you you figured out a way to just have this wonderful relationship and you forged your path. Did you know when you first saw him, you're like, that's my little guy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I wasn't ready for him, no, but okay. as a man, you have to just, mm-hmm. you have to adapt to it. Right. That's what a lot of a lot of people, I tell them, like, you know, um, I was gone for some years and I don't know how to be a dad. There's no way in being a dad or a mom. You just have to let it come to you. Mm. It's about love. And it's about time. Love, time. time. Love, time. Not money. Right. Love and time. Right. And everything else will come. That's a good point you make because you could have all the money in the world and the love is not there. No. And, and, And when those kids grow up, they're nowhere to be found because it was all about the money. But there has to be something that keeps them there beyond the money. And it's the relationship. It's the time. And when it's all said and done, you're not going to look back and say, thank you for that $50. Right. You're going to say, thank you for the time. Thank right. you for the energy. Thank right. you for everything you invested in me. Thank you for always being there. Um, so that's a wonderful thing. And never quitting. And never you know, quitting. You, can't, you, can't, you cannot give up on something that you created. But we know some people do, though. You cannot. I know. You cannot. No matter what is going on in their life, they need their parents. Right. But what you're saying right now is an important message, I think, that needs to just just be shouted from the mountaintops because there are parents that get frustrated. And if you are a single parent, sometimes there are, you know, you're balancing work, you're doing a lot, and the frustrations sometimes can overwhelm. So what would you say to the frustrated exhausted single parent out there that needs to hear something i am exhausted too as a single parent even though i have my mother too Mm -hmm. um i'll just say don't give up you know one day it will turn over just don't give up on the things that you created Mm. and i don't mean i don't mean created their behavior i mean bringing them into this life you know just hold on good words and Lastly, as I do with all my guests, if you had to choose one word to describe you, what would that be? Mm. I want to say balance. I really do want to say balance because I don't. I, I don't even believe in bad days. Mm-hmm. You know, everything for me is balance and everything. So I want to give you an ex- explanation of what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um. So a lot of people say they're having bad days, right? You did not have a bad day. You had a bad moment that you let drag all day, right? So with that being said, you have to balance everything in life. If I had to look at myself, I would say I'm a balanced being. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's it. Right. I balance everything in life. You cannot go on in the day or be mad at someone else. For something that happened between someone else or something else. Just keep pushing on the day and it will get better. Balance. I like it. I'm not going to add anything else to that because I think that was just perfect. So, (laughs) Dasheen, I just want to say thank you so much. 
I have thoroughly enjoyed this interview. Like I've learned so much about you. I think our guests have learned so much. And I just want to thank you so much for an insightful and engaging conversation. And I definitely have to go check out Mr. Feats. You definitely um, do. So, and, and, you know, being a proud business on North Street, we're so happy to know that you're a part of our city. So thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you. Everybody take care. God bless. All right, everyone, you've been listening to Backstory. Let's hear it on WTBRFM, Pittsfield with Roberta McCulloch-Dews of the mayor's office in the city of Pittsfield. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and have a great day. 